Well, hello and welcome to Talk to Be Well. I'm your host, Dr. Robin Henderson, Chief Executive Behavioral Health for Providence and Chief Clinical Officer for Work to Be Well. Here with me today to talk about healthy communication are two high school students from Pennsylvania and California who are on our National Student Advisory Council. As a reminder, the information provided during this event is for educational purposes only. It is not intended, nor is it implied, to be a substitute for professional medical advice. Hey, let's get started with today's episode. I want to have each of you introduce yourself, where you're from, and why does this topic matter to you? Who wants to kick us off? Hi, my name is Mohammed Shadid, and I'm from Pittsburgh, Pennsylvania. Hi, my name is Julia Veloso, and I'm from Burlingame, California. Uh, healthy communication is important to me because uh, I've had some unnecessary fights in the past that could have been prevented by healthy communication techniques. So I just want to learn more about how to prevent those fights. And Mohammed, why does why does this topic matter to you? Uh, because I think it's important in relationships to have a lot of understanding and clarity. And I think like a lack of communication leads to people misunderstanding each other, which also leads to a lot of fights unnecessarily and like um, extra stress, which can be avoided easily. Well, so, you know, we all know what unhealthy communication looks like. You guys have kind of laid that out a little bit. But what does healthy communication look like? What is what does it mean when you communicate when you walk away from a conversation and you go, wow, that was great. What's that look like? Um, I think healthy communication, like the most important thing about it is listening and being able to talk respectively um, and calmly. Um, I think it can look really different in some relationships because obviously every relationship has a completely unique dynamic. Um, I, I wouldn't talk to my parents the same way I talk to my friends, but one of the biggest similarities is the listening. It's important in every single relationship. Yeah, I definitely agree with uh, Julia. I think listening is the most important aspect of uh, communication, especially active listening, not just hearing what the other person is saying, but actively understanding what they're saying, acknowledging what they're saying, even if you don't necessarily agree with it, um, understanding like uh, that their ideas are also important and that you acknowledge them and that other people's ideas and um, concepts are being heard is very essential to overall communication and to making sure that there is a sense of um, trust and um understanding between two people or more. You know, Mohammed, you mentioned active listening, and I want to go back to that for just a minute. When you use the term active listening, I know what it means for me. What does it mean for you? I think it means just being like conscious of what the other person is saying, really thinking about it and not like interrupting them, like with your own ideas. Because usually when we're hearing stuff and we don't really like take it into account, we just like to interrupt and bring out our own ideas uh, as quick as possible. Um, I think active listening is just taking a step back, really focusing on what the other person is saying, and then formulating your own thoughts um, in a conscious and deliberate manner afterwards in relation to what someone said. Yeah, I, I know how that feels. I, I have a friend who you can always tell when he really wants to get into a conversation, you can always tell that he's not actually listening to what you're saying. He's preparing whatever it is he's going to say in rebuttal. And that is that is the exact opposite of that active listening thing. Julia, I also liked what you talked about in that you will use effective communication is different, like with a friend than it is with a parent. Right. And I wonder if you want to talk about that a little bit more. 
Yeah, well, I guess my parents are like an authority f- figure in my life. So I speak to them in a different way. And I think that can be difficult sometimes that I feel like I'm like below them. So it's dif- it's hard to find that balance of telling them how I feel um, at the same time respecting them. Whereas my friends were kind of on the same ground. And sometimes that can make it easier because you feel like you're able to say how you feel in a more effective way because those are your peers and not someone that you have to like listen to all the time. So no, that's really helpful because, you know, it makes me kind of wonder, I wonder if there's different places that effective, healthy communication becomes important. And are there situations where healthy communication really, really matters? Um, Yeah, I think healthy communication is most important when there's a disagreement. Um, It's important always, but I think when two people are kind of on opposite sides of an argument, that's when it's most necessary um, because people can sometimes get angry and then that anger kind of blinds them into just you you're not even listening to what the other person's saying you're just thinking about how you're going to respond and then you walk away from the conversation like feeling like no progress was really made yeah i think um communication before like an argument uh, occurs is really important as preventative action especially if you are able to clarify like some people most arguments start like when someone misunderstands something or misconstrues someone something that someone else said uh, which leads to further heated arguments. But if you're able to clarify what you said clearly and have the other person like say what they think you said or what, yeah, what um, it will be able to help clear uh, things a little bit and show what you intended to say. And especially after an argument, it's equally as important to have effective communication in order to resolve conflicts and to like strengthen bonds between uh, two people. Have you ever found yourself in one of those arguments where you know you're right, you absolutely know you're right, and then the other person says something that just completely disarms you. And you're like, I didn't expect that. Oh, my gosh. Totally changes your perspective. How do you handle those situations when somebody says something that just shifts your perspective so completely? I guess the best thing to do in that case is just be humble. Take take it that you, you're beaten in this case. Because, I mean, no one really likes to lose an argument. But if you're able to like say, okay, I guess I see your point here. Um, uh, acknowledge that then it'll be able to help like pass this conflict or disagreement over uh, rather easily. We have a saying in therapy. I know that um, conflict uh, breeds intimacy. And what we mean by that is that uh, when you have a conflict with somebody, it's an opportunity to get to know them better for just the reasons that you're talking about, where when we disagree, and we get so passionate about ourselves uh, and what we believe in, it gives us an opportunity not only to to share our perspective, to challenge someone else's perspective, but also to be wrong. And sometimes being wrong can make a relationship even better. Have you had situations where you might've been wrong and it's made things better for you? Yeah, definitely. I've definitely like struggled with that a little bit. I love to be right. And so when I get an argument where that's not happening, uh, it can be difficult for me to accept that. But I've really started to work on like listening in an argument and not thinking of it as a competition, but more a conversation. Because when you think of it as a competition, you're thinking about winning and not thinking about 
what you're going to get out of the conversation. Um, and so I've just tried to like allow myself to be wrong, allow myself to like concede sometimes um, when necessary to protect the relationships that I care about. I love how you brought up the thing about um, competition and like conversation. I don't know why, but nowadays, like all conversations seem like national debates that you have to win, that you have to prove your points. Everything you say has to go. So I think if you are able to prove that you can take another perspective and that maybe yours might be wrong, it shows humility. It shows open mindedness. It shows like tranquility. Like you're not like um, offended, even if it's like you're not attached to like your ideals, too, which I think is something else that's very important to this society. Most people, when they like are communicating about something, they feel very attached to the societies, which makes it seem more like a debate because then they take offense to like if someone disagrees with you. But if you're able to show that sometimes you are wrong, it shows um, that you are able to that you're not attached to your ideas and that you're not going to be like offended if someone disagrees with you, which I think is very important in communication. You know, it sounds like that's one of the biggest challenges to healthy communication. And I like how you characterize that as as both as a competition and as something that you're right, that the current verve in our world is everybody's got, you know, whether it's on social media or in person or whatever. I have my belief system and that's what I think. And the other side is cancel culture. And that there's no in between to develop that healthy appreciation of both perspectives. Are there other challenges that you see to healthy communication that make it difficult? Uh, yeah, I think uh, the biggest challenge to healthy communication is anger. Um, when you get so passionate about something, passion is really good. Um, but when you're so passionate about a subject and the other person just isn't seeing your side, it can really create some frustration and negative emotions. And I think that's when the conversation can completely slide and turn into a screaming match. And um, which is why I think like in order to have healthy communication, the two people need to be like in their calmest state. Um, yeah, anger definitely plays a factor. I also think vulnerability and like the fear of sharing one's thoughts also put is a big obstacle in effective communication because not everyone is. So there are some people who are introverts. People are shy. People like are afraid of um, being wrong and saying things um, that might offend others, even if it won't. Um, so sometimes people just keep the things to themselves, which doesn't lead to a healthy conversation. Leads more to one-sided conversations, and then they feel like they aren't able to get their thoughts out. And that they aren't heard too. Well, and it's interesting because, you know, we, we've talked a little bit about how power works in healthy communication and like parents have a different type of power. Somebody who's got authority over you, like a teacher or a parent. Um, do you think that that gender or ethnicity or even social class or things like that impact healthy communication? Uh, I think they do both in good and bad ways. In specific cultures, they're like communication is very valued. Um, close family ties is valued, the ways that people communicate. Uh, so that's uh, an example of how it can be good, uh, specific like days where people uh, discuss things. People, uh, there are several cultures where they just have a grand, grand meetings like with within a group or within a town. Um, so those are examples of uh, good communication. Then there are like others, um, like say like uh, ethnicity and um, social class. Uh, communication may not be the most important thing on their minds, especially like for the divide between um, immigrants and their children. So first generation, 
there's also a divide in communication because the experiences that the kids have in this country are not the same as the parents. And this creates uh, a divide between them, between the two. So they aren't able to relate. And I think being able to relate is a very, very good asset to have in effective communication. Yeah, I really agree with what you said about being able to relate to the other person in healthy communication. And I think that manifests itself in gender a lot. Um, Obviously, I think in society, men especially have been kind of shamed for their emotions and told to kind of suppress those. Um, While women have been seen as, oh, the more emotional gender. And so that I think creates like a rift between the two genders. Um, And it's difficult for us to like communicate effectively with people who seem so different from us, but it's we're all, you know, humans. You know, this may be more of a generational issue and, and please tell me if it's something that you experience, but I often find myself as a female executive um, in conversations with male executives who just feel free to bull right over the top and uh, to interrupt bull right over the top. Or here's my personal favorite is when they take your idea that you've just laid out there and said, and then they restate it and claim it as their own. Oh, you mean bloody, bloody, blood. It's like, Dude, I, I just literally said that. That That is exactly what came out of my mouth. Just because you stated it now out of your mouth doesn't make it your idea. Uh, but I wonder, is that a generational thing? Or or do you ever experience that where you see people of other genders just bowling right over the top of you? Um, yeah, in school, it's kind of a similar, like when you're doing a, a, group, a group project, like, um, and people just like talk right over you and you're just trying to say your ideas. And then it's like, they just keep talking and it's like, you can't even communicate what you're trying to say because there's so many voices going off at once. Um, and even with like my male family members, I feel like that same thing where like, they're not like really listening and just like waiting to like say what they want to say. And I'm not sure if that's like, everyone experiences that, but yeah, I definitely see some of those things in my generation yeah I think it's a mix of a generational thing and then just like a natural or natural or uh thing for men like since the beginning of time that they have to be the dominant one or that they're what they say has to go especially in like some um different ethnicities and cultures what the man says has to go uh nothing can like argue against it it's just like what the respect what has been like taught as respect in um, some cultures um and as I think like back in like prehistoric times, you could say um, men were the one who had like what they said had to go because it was like for their survival, I guess. Well, Muhammad, I'm glad that you bring that issue up too, because it's like the, the idea of some cultures, some religions have a belief in the man as the head of household. And if you're raised in that environment, that probably shifts how you see healthy communication and how you might experience that, especially between first generation and second generation immigrants. Um, do you see examples of that in your world? Uh, yeah, I think it's prominent uh, today, especially like with my sister and like, she's very vocal. Uh, she she likes to speak her mind. And then you can like see some of that, like, I guess, tension or conflicts like with grandparents, um, uncles, cousins too. They're like, sometimes they're like shocked that she's so vocal. And then sometimes they don't want to like agree with her. Uh, so it's definitely an unfortunate uh, incident that I've seen in the past, but hope hope um, I believe it will get better too, especially if people continue to be vocal about it, especially in like my religion and culture too. Do you think social media has an ability to impact that in a in a positive or negative way? 
Yeah, I think social media has had both positive and negative effects on communication. I mean, on one hand, it's made it so much easier to communicate with people because you have access to them 24-7 and you can reach them and resolve conflicts like um, more easily than we could before when you had to kind of wait to see them in person. Um, but at the same time, it can also have a negative effect on communication because when you're talking to someone online, you're not face-to-face. And so it's really easy to say things that you don't mean and it can make people impulsive and that can negatively impact communication. I think social media has um, marred um, face-to-face communication, being able to have an actual conversation, not just over text emojis, be able to read emotions, um, presenting skills, uh, speaking skills, signs like that. Um, but I also think that social media has benefited people by like giving access to resources, uh, in case they need help with, um, being able to communicate if they feel like they aren't heard. Uh, you could also argue that it helps you prove your point faster, but I'm not sure if that's a good or bad thing, depending on the case. Um, so yeah, social media in almost every case has, uh, it's positive and benefits for effective communication. So has COVID changed the way you communicate with your peers? I think honestly, we're still recovering socially from that period where we're all isolated within just our families, which sometimes is a lot for you if you're with your family for that long. Um, So I think it's difficult for us all to go back and like feel like free and relaxed as we were before the pandemic and being able to communicate as we were before. I feel like there's also like a lot of like tent, like stress and tension um, because our social health has declined in the months uh during covid so now we're just trying to rebuild that which makes it difficult to like feel comfortable and confident communicating yeah i completely agree with that i feel like after a year and a half almost or two years of being isolated we're kind of all used to like being alone and so it's been like a a learning curve i think getting back into the the way relationships were pre-covid um I think for me personally, like, I feel like I had like these like super close group of friends and then COVID, we didn't see each other for a couple of months. And so we've worked really hard to like get back into our like normal groove and be able to talk and be as close as we were before. Yeah, I think that's been, it's interesting because in the, in the world where this is, this is how we communicate and this is how we communicated for for many people more than a year uh, was just in FaceTime and on Zooms and things like that. It really changes how you can read body language. I think we've all had to learn how to read body language differently. I think we also have had to figure out, you know, how do we set boundaries with communication? If I want to talk to you and you don't want to talk to me right now, how do we set boundaries with that? What do we do? Yeah, I think, one of the most difficult things about like healthy communication is like even figuring out what those boundaries are. Um, and so something that I do is like, I like to just really pay attention to all of my relationships and pick out the things that make me uncomfortable. And I like to journal and like write those things down. Um, and then that can help me figure out what I'm comfortable with and what I'm not. And then once I'm ready, I can talk to those people in my relationships to like, let them know that these, this is what I'm comfortable with. This is what I'm not. And I think that can really help 
um, to create like a bridge and facilitate that healthy communication. Uh, that's a great way with noting down um, when, what makes you feel uncomfortable. I also think it depends on the seriousness of a topic or the seriousness of the relationship. And if the tensions are really high and you don't think that communication, any communication will work right now, I think it's best to just step aside, um, ignore the other person if they're trying to pester you maybe for a little bit until you already just step aside into another space um, until you already and you have until like tensions have cooled down a little bit so that you are able to have a meaningful and productive conversation. No, I think that's really important because we need to give ourselves permission that just because you're ready to talk to me doesn't mean that I'm ready to talk to you. And having those abilities to set boundaries and even to set guidelines, you know, I've had to set guidelines with people. It's like, we're going to have a conversation. And if you're going to get angry, I, I can't do it. I'm not going to do it today. I don't have the energy for it. Or, you know, I, I'm not ready to have this conversation today, but I will have this conversation later. I think those types of boundaries are really, really important in how we set um, set up healthy communication going forward. And, I, you know, for, for teenagers, I think it's really hard to develop those skills in healthy communication. Sometimes uh, many of us grow up in situations where perhaps our parents weren't the healthiest of communicators. So where you learn how to communicate in a healthy fashion may vary, but sometimes it may be your healthiest relationships are maybe in sports team or in youth groups or other places like that. What do you think we can do to utilize healthy communication ourselves? But more importantly, how do we encourage other people that they need to do this too? Um, mentioned like the benefits of effective communication, how it strengthens relationships, like demonstrate it yourself, be an advocate for effective communication with them, with others around them. So they can see like how um, maybe you're happier, maybe you're more relaxed when communicating because you're using specific methods for effective communication and how the other person like you're talking to is also feeling like relaxed. The conversation is controlled um, and overall it leads to a productive outcome. Yeah, I definitely agree that the best way is to just demonstrate what healthy communication is. And because if if you're talking to someone and you're respectful and you're calm, they're going to um, reciprocate that to you. And so I think that the best way is to just like act the way that you would want to be treated in an argument. Um, and so just, I guess, try to walk into every converse, conversation with an open mind so that you can um, reflect the way that you want to communicate. Do you think healthy communication has positive benefits for you other than just the obvious? Think it helps you in other ways? Overall, I think it helps you remain relaxed because sometimes I know for myself, like, I'll, like after a conversation, like hours later, maybe when I'm lying in bed trying to fall asleep, I'm like, oh, I shouldn't have said that. Or why did I say that? And then like I kick myself for it. But if I like use effective communication and try to control everything I say and make sure uh, that the conversation is controlled and that the other person like feels respected by what I say, like, it, it gives like ease for like the rest of the day after you move on from that conversation. And you don't feel like you're, you have this like weight in your stomach or on your like heart that you did something wrong. Yeah, I think a lot of these conversations are caused by like some sort of conflict. And so when you do have healthy communication, that can be a huge weight lifted off your shoulders because the conflict might actually be resolved. Whereas if you are just yelling at each other, it could just extend the fight even longer. You know, so 
as I'm thinking about this, you know, I'm thinking about our listeners who might be facing a conversation that they're dreading, you know, the, the dreaded conversation, you know, you don't want to have because there's going to be conflict. And what personal advice do you have for how you get prepared to go into a tough conversation? Yeah, something that I always do and one of my biggest tips is I like to write down in my journal or in my notes app on my phone exactly like what I want to say. Sometimes I'll even I'll like write little like notes and stuff just so that I feel prepared for a conversation that might be causing a lot of anxiety like that. And that way that can stop me from saying something I don't mean or like um, miscommunicating what I'm trying to say. And I feel like that always helps me like have a healthy like talk. Yeah, you can't be preparation. I think it helps you feel more confident and prepared uh, when going into those dreaded conversations. I also think trying to clear your mind uh, throughout meditating or other means, uh, just so you like you don't have like a thousand things running through your head at the time of conversation. You can clearly focus on what you want to say and get to your objective. And I guess like at the end of the conversation, if it doesn't go exactly how you wanted it to, but you got your points across, you know, uh, you said everything you wanted to, you made you made the list. Um, the person you were talking to, you made sure that you were heard. Uh, I think that you can just be happy with, you can, you can be content with the outcome, even if it doesn't exactly go as you wanted to, wanted it to. Any other pieces of advice you have for our listeners as we begin to wrap up today? Listen, don't hear. I, yeah, my, uh, one of my teachers told me that once, and I think it's very, very important to, um, for everyone to know. Listen, don't hear. Um, act like engage with what people are saying that that doesn't mean interrupting it just means like um, subconsciously or consciously um, acknowledge what people are saying and then afterwards if they would like to hear a response from you sometimes people just like to vent so if they're just venting let them vent you don't always need to respond but if people would like a response for you carefully construe what you say based on what they say in circumstances too yeah I completely agree um, and also just keep an open mind don't go into a conversation thinking you want to win. Go into it thinking you want to resolve a conflict. Um, and I guess speak to people the way you want to be spoken to. I love that. I also love the piece about, about venting because sometimes you just want to, it helps to talk things out. And it's like, I don't want advice about this. I just, I just need to say it. I just need somebody else to hear it because it helps me in my process. One of the boundaries I set when I'm venting is if I'm looking at somebody and I just need to vent or rant or whatever it is I need to do, I'm real clear up front and I say, you know, I am just venting here. I don't need any advice right now. So do me a favor and just listen. That's one of the best boundaries. Tell people what you expect from a conversation and that's going to make it a whole lot easier for everybody. I want to thank you for joining me today on Talk To Be Well and being open to talking about healthy communication. If you are looking for support with your mental health or any other medical questions, please visit us at providence.org. And for parents, teachers, and students, check out our worktobewell.org site, and you can see our critical conversations module in our curriculum that you can download for free and get more tips and tricks about how you have a tough conversation with somebody. I want to thank you, Muhammad and Julia, for being our guests today. I'm your host, Dr. Robin Henderson. This is Talk To Be Well, and be well, everybody. <laughs>